This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, this is Benjamin Boyce and Leslie Elliott. Welcome to The Deep End, our bi-monthly live stream where we talk about topics that we've been talking about with each other. Hey, Sorry about that. How are you doing, Leslie? I'm doing great. Where you been? I've been to New York and back. Oh, what yeah. did you do in New York? Just had a great time. Yeah? Had a really good time. Did you get yourself a Manhattan? Uh, I think I did. Yeah? Yeah. Was it tasty? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so we're, we're still working on our setup, so she's got the uh, laptop over here so we can actually read. Yep. With our, you can just do this. All right. Click it Do on that. There. There All right. Go. Very cool. Look, it says my name wrong. No, it's uh, fine. You didn't wait, do what? it. No, it's just the transcription. Oh, okay. The auto-transcribe. Yeah. Well, yeah. She always does the transcribe. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of things have been happening in the world lately. Yeah, and it was coming up. Um, there were some discussions around imagery on the internet. And something I noticed when I got on to Twitter about a year ago, which was almost a year ago was that people there's a lot going on in the world of course there are many uh i i, I, I want to talk around them because i don't want to address it directly in this stream right now i don't want to address the issues right now directly but there are some really concerning things that that happen and there have been things that have been happening for a long time various things like the um the rioting and a lot of the looting and and violence on the streets and people will post these videos. Most recently, there was this video of someone being stabbed, um, a man and a girl, a, a woman out at night, and the man was stabbed. And, and these videos pop up, and, uh, you know, as you're scrolling your feed, and I'm hearing that it's on Facebook, too. I'm not on Facebook, but places where people share news and current events. And it feels like we're bombarded by real-life, really horrific images quite frequently and I wonder what the effect that has on on people's psychological states and development might be you know there's a reason why war is so damaging to people because they see things that are just horrific that they can't unsee mm -hmm. and so what is the effect of all of us experiencing a degree of that when we're looking at our our screens yeah uh, I can talk about something that was rather distant and in the wake of the Evergreen State College protests of 2017, um, what those protests were about was kind of glomming onto this Black Lives Matter movement that I thought, I actually said in 2019, this is probably, this movement is probably done. And mm -hmm. then it, it came back with a vengeance. But so the kids were... Well, the, the college kids were taking these events that happened far away, like what happened to Michael Brown. It mm -hmm. turns out that mm -hmm. the narrative around this guy, Michael Brown, that he was saying, hands up, don't shoot, was a complete fabrication um, in order to galvanize this narrative around police violence against black people. Now, mm -hmm. whether or not police violence against black people is an issue that can be solved by protests or an issue 
that is at the top of the issues of our day is one conversation, but I did see that they would take that event from very far away and then like personalize it Mm -hmm. and say, we are ourselves unsafe when we walk out Mm -hmm. into the night. And there was a shooting of a couple of black gentlemen who had assaulted a police officer with their skateboard and they ended up getting shot. And that was proved that was used by evergreen professors to promulgate this narrative that black people are just walking out of their doors and getting shot, Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. cutting out the narrative that, you know, there was an altercation there and they were drunk and blah, 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 blah. But that was papered over. And then after the protests at Evergreen that were kind of trying to recreate that sense of urgency, mm-hmm. there was this event in later on in 2017 at Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember this state. I'm always so stupid. But there was this event at Charlottesville where these guys North, got North these... North Carolina, I think. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I wanted to not say Virginia because I wanted to say North Carolina. I don't know. Guys, I'm not good with East Coast cities either. These guys showed up with tiki torches and mm-hmm. they say that we will not be replaced or the Jews will not replace us, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that got mm-hmm. a bunch of attention. And then there was a bunch of like Antifa versus like not Antifa or Proud Boys mm-hmm. or like white nationalists or whatever. And they're brawling and this one idiot like ran over this oh, yeah. young woman, mm-hmm. Heather Hare, I believe. And mm, I don't know. Once that happened, then the president of the Evergreen State College, George Bridges, issued this statement Mm -hmm. to the college campus about these terrible events and the rise of white nationalism and taking this event that was way over, like, on the other side of the country, personalizing it. And I also saw Twitter itself personalize and Mm -hmm. promulgate these images and Mm -hmm. these photos and Mm -hmm. these videos and making everything like we are right now being assaulted right so it so what the internet does i watched it happen to all of us and it's been already happening was it puts us in that right evergreen state college protest it puts Mm -hmm. us in that protest in charlottesville it puts us in the Mm -hmm. war zone yeah which creates that sense of hyper vigilance and fear in people who are not in proximity to those events. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. personalizes what would otherwise be like a story mm-hmm. or, or a news event that we came across a day later, a couple of days well, later. Well, and isn't it interesting that news now is like a roundup of of horrible events? And, and I wonder when that really started. There was this, uh, I listened to this one NPR program uh, a long time ago it was like an npr podcast uh, there was they, they had these really maybe it wasn't npr it was but it, I, th- I think it was anyway the the subject was around how we have come to perceive the culture we live in as more violent than or we more used dangerous. to perceive yeah. it as yeah and it talked about children in the 70s being able to wander far from home and have a lot of freedom unsupervised time and yeah. as we've used TV news more and more, we've got more and more of this sense of the violence around us being, there's more news of kidnappings, there's more news of violence, news of car accidents, news of things that that aren't actually happening in our local community. Hmm. And parents have become increasingly protective of their children to the point where there's, children today have virtually no unsupervised time. And that goes back to that point that I wanted to bring up last time where we went on a bike ride through our neighborhood on this beautiful day on a Saturday and there was zero kids in all these parks. Right. And I wonder, well, so another example um, from the past of this kind of um, proliferation of distant imagery into the minds mm. of people where that isn't. I, uh, many years ago, I was listening to a local TV or news radio station 
in San Antonio. And one of the, um, one of the shows started with a promo that was an ad for the show itself. And it featured clips from what they've talked about in previous shows. And one of the clips was this horrific thing. It was, they had taken the guy reporting on something really awful and incorporated that into their promo, into their advertising. And I want, I don't want to even go into what it was, but it was a, uh, uh, I won't go into details. A mother killed her child. And they used the graphic description of this as part of their promo material. So this was played before all of their segments. Yeah. And it, it, it felt like a, a, a really inappropriate manipulation of people's feelings in order to yeah. um, stir up, I don't know, some kind of request for closure around that. But I wonder, when, you, when you're looking through your, your news feed and you're seeing really graphic, violent, depictions of things that are that are shocking and horrific and you can't do anything about them because it's not in your neighborhood and it's not something that you have any political power to do anything about Mm -hmm. what does that do to you and i think it i think it might lead to sort of a learned helplessness and a state of of ever-present fear Mm. that that's one way to take it absolutely there's another way to take it where you just kind of get detached from it i watched over the past week over what was going on on my newsfeed, which was graphic depictions, and we're just in, a, everybody's in a complete fog of war about mm-hmm. everything. Fog of war is mm-hmm. that you don't actually know what's happening because you can't tell in the immediate moment exactly what's happening mm-hmm. at any given time at all these different places, and news kind of matriculates towards you, and then you have to interpret the news, and it turns out some news is false, some news is true, and some news is partial, and some news is over over done and so we're all in a fog of war there's all this really insanely um, graphic imagery like pouncing on you it's like Mm -hmm. okay look at this is what's happening right now Mm -hmm. over here and you you have a response to that and then you start thinking about the response and they start watching people respond to that and then you start people like responding it all over the place like like people are kind of detached from it. People are like really like, oh, we're gonna have World War Three, World War Three, mm-hmm. World War Three, you know. And then other people are like, we need to do this thing. And then you start to say something, you start to comment, and then people expect you to have a certain reaction to this. Like this is a really really bad thing, and you need to feel really really bad about this. And we need to go and do our justice thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go do our justice thing. Mm-hmm. And I say, hold on, wait. This is fog of war. My emotions are being manipulated. I've seen crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis happen. And you don't know if one's Jesse Smollier or one's Kyle Rittenhouse. You don't know what is happening until you adjudicate over time with all the information. And Mm -hmm. so even calling out, let's slow down before we make a decision or Mm -hmm. if I have a take, is taken as a taken in and of itself. And I saw one person being rather irate online about you are making your tea while this terrible thing is happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Touch grass, make tea, think about it. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't about me. This is about something else. And me taking it personally isn't going to help anything. And you making me take it personally means you want me to believe something and do something. And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do that. I'm not going to do that after 9-11 happened. I'm not going to do that after COVID-19, all these other things. Like you see time and again, people get into this frenzy state and then they start making actions. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to go along with this action. 
Nobody has a choice to think about it differently. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that I see myself getting more and more detached mm. and start to comment about oh. these things as oh, as though they don't matter, mm. which I think is... That's uh, interesting. That's I'm worried about that because I do care about individual mm. people. And I try to present like a compassionate mm -hmm. uh, presence online through my interviews. Mm -hmm. But that's when I'm directly relating one-to-one -one with mm -hmm. person. But when we're talking about these huge historical events... I'm kind of really postmodern in a uh, mm. postmodernist in the sense of there's all this information that's bombarding me and it's all narrative. Like there's the real thing that's happening, but the only thing that's real to me is the narrative about it. And mm. I'm really conscious mm -hmm. that there are these people who are shaping the narrative. So there's a breakdown in the, the significance of the actual event itself. Yeah. I see. <clears throat> that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. I um yeah, I I don't know. It's um it does seem like the the ability to be manipulated by that kind of emotional response to those images is is really something to pay attention to. That does remind me of the Iraq War and what happened there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things that are very similar over and mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of lot going on in the chat. Do you want to respond to anything? I don't here? see any questions. Um, okay. Let's see. They're they're having their own conversation. Okay. But if anybody does have a question for us or a comment that you cortisol like burnout is real, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess that's what you're kind of talking about. I do remember I've brought this up several times. I was talking to Heather Hying about this phenomena, about hypervigilance, mm. and our human beings' attention to read a threat where there's not a threat. Mm -hmm. And she says, if you were walking across your lawn and you screamed because you saw a snake mm -hmm. and it turned out to be a... A rope or a, a, hose, yeah, a hose, right? Yeah. It's better to be embarrassed than to be dead. Mm. It's better to read that hose as a snake than to read a snake as a hose, mm -hmm. right? But when you overlay that with the way that uh, current events happen right here and right now mm -hmm. on my screen and make me tied to it, it, I don't think a lot of people have the ability to detach, and I have the ability to detach, but I'm seeing that myself, I could be too detached mm -hmm. from it and mm -hmm. actually not respect things and put things in proportion. But when we're talking about global events, like, um, maybe I should bring this up. You had a very strong reaction to I don't know. I want to be and really then careful I, about And then, yeah. well, we were trying to have a conversation. I'm like, well, I'm thinking about it in geopolitical terms. Yeah. And, and like trying to do like these different level orders, order mm -hmm. of, of interpretation of yeah. the data. How do you, how do you go from an emotional response to a, you know, a political to response? To an action? You know, to an action, action or like to a political opinion, maybe. And then, and then you, I've, I've seen, we've had a lot of discussions and you have a lot, you have a healthy dose of skepticism too, where after the, like the initial like reaction happens, like you, well, I don't so think how that... do you, how do you balance your skepticism um, I guess I just don't, I don't think that, uh, feeling, uh, feeling deeply hurt for hurt people and okay. feeling, uh, feeling just devastated for what is happening to mm. people necessarily gives you information about why, who did what and what the proper action should be. There has to be sort of a detachment okay. from that okay. in order to analyze what the what the political scenario is and what yeah. what needs to happen. I I think that it doesn't it's not an automatic oh somebody this happened so we must have this response. Yeah. I think you have to take a broader picture. Yeah. You have to step out and and look at this look at the lay of the land 
And that requires emotional detachment, as you're talking about. So I guess I guess there's two things then. There's the there's the thinking about the thing, and then there's the feeling for the people who are hurt. I like how you formulated that. Like they are these are people who are suffering, and I'm suffering for the people who are suffering. And then it's a really powerful um, and an important human impulse to feel compassion, and you you see yourself feeling compassion. There was this terrible terrible comic uh, that I saw where. This one person like was holding up a dead baby, say, this dead baby proves my point. And then this other person says, well, this dead baby proves my point. And you, you see there's these two dead babies and then these two people like trying to make a point for yeah. it. And it's really hard when we look at political situations, especially mm-hmm. political situations that won't be mentioned that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And you're like, well, I can suffer for this person and I can suffer for that person. I can suffer for the for the man who's committing this atrocity because I know that his soul is going to have to pay for the atrocities committed. And then the person that's going back and under the cover of vengeance, you know, they're both, and then let alone the men, the women and the children, we can maybe talk about like mm-hmm. who suffers more in, in all these conflicts, but I can feel for all these people. But once I start to make a tribal, once I start to overlay the story and the narrative, then I stop feeling for those people suffering. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the group mm-hmm. A yeah, well, and that's... this group A did this to group B and this group B did this thing to group kind A. kind of comes back to individualism versus collectivism, which the woke is so fond of Hmm. yeah but i think beyond all of the the sorting and sifting it's there's also a an issue of coming back to the issue of imagery and uh i remember as a kid what what were the rules around this was it like an fcc thing where Hmm. there were there were certain regulations about showing dead bodies on on in, was in newspapers huh. or, or on TV, because I remember it was like shocking to even just see a body under a sheet at yeah. one point. Yeah. And now there's no holds barred. You're seeing since I got on Twitter, I have seen some I, it, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through and I'll be going from somebody's political commentary to somebody's joke to, oh, my gosh, there's a picture of somebody being beaten to death. And, and you know, it's 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 kind of I, I learned I just learned that you can turn off media preview in your, in your settings your display settings. There's like a media preview thing that you can turn off. And then all of those images just are links instead of actual images. So that might be helpful to some people who feel like the same concern about this. Yeah. You can look at what the text that the, the poster has written and you can decide for yourself if you want to click on it. So it makes it less flashy and distracting, but it also makes it, you know, you're less likely to see something shocking, mm-hmm. but I remember when the movie Saving Private Ryan came out. When was that? In the 90s? Uh, I think it was probably 1999 or yeah, 2000. It was, it was like late 90s, maybe, maybe early 2000s. And people talked about how it was this really realistic depiction of war. And I thought, well, I don't want to see that. Because that's there's we know that soldiers come back from war really traumatized by the things that they have witnessed. And I thought, why do we want to vicariously witness even a piece of that? Mm. Why do we want to inflict that on ourselves for the sake of entertainment? Mm. And at some point, what we're doing when we're scrolling through our screens, it it, it does amount, we're, we're gathering information, but we're also entertaining ourselves. And so on some level, are we entertaining ourselves mm. with these images that are life and death for other people somewhere else? Are we doing something that is vicariously um, for our gratuitous intake, because we have no, there's nothing that we can do about something that already happened, say a stabbing uh, on the street. 
maybe we need to know about this if, if we need information about how dangerous a certain place is or what's happening in our culture and, and the trends and things. Maybe there's an argument to be made for us needing that information or benefiting from that information. But from being able to watch some of these videos, are we, are we entertaining ourselves mm -hmm. with the life and death of other people? And what is that doing to us? Yeah. For entertainment's sake, are we experiencing some sort of emotional trauma? Trauma or, uh, I guess, entertainment level outrage, kind of uh, gladiatorial combat, late era Rome, let's watch the Christians burn, kind of like, yeah, rah, rah, rah. I remember it reminds me of, I had a contention with this wildly popular Twitter account named Libs of TikTok a couple years ago, two or three years ago. And I noticed that what they did was post a bunch of cringe content from the left and a lot of it was just kids, like kids doing pronoun things and kids just being completely cringe. And, you know, I watched as a bunch of adults would watch this stuff and mock the kids. Mm -hmm. And then you have mixed in with that these adults who were acting the same way. And then a bunch of adults like go in and mock the adults. And I was watching uh, a problematic, well, I, I thought that it was problematic that People were habituating themselves to use mockery as a political tool. Mm -hmm. And there is a certain level of mockery that helps to rein it. You know, the whole phrase, bring back bullying, does have a certain level of truth to it. If, mm, if, we, were, if we were harder on each other and we, we demanded more of each other and we kind of pushed the freaks out or made it very inconvenient to be a freak out in the open mm -hmm. then less freakery would be going on mm -hmm. the bad side of that is that people love to bully for bullying's sake mm -hmm. right people like to feel justice for justice or for feeling justice's sake mm -hmm. so beyond the trauma is that what level of fake or not fake but what level of outrage am i feeling that isn't connecting to anything is a pornographic mm -hmm. Act indulgence, where I'm pornographically indulging in the criminality of inner city scholars, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To it's what like degree is that helpful? Gratuitous voyeurism. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mm -hmm. And how do you stay informed and aware and protect yourself? And then also the other thing that I watch while I'm watching these things show up on my feed is that there are people who, whose job it is, who are monetizing their content by scouring the world for this stuff 
to put it up there mm-hmm. and then to make to spin it one way or spin it the other way. Mm-hmm. There used to be these things called faces of death. Yeah, somebody just videos. mentioned that in here. I saw that. And you could go to certain video stores and rent Faces of Death. And it was probably somewhere in the 18 plus. And you could get it and you could bring it home with your friends and you could watch Faces of Death. Yeah. Which would be video CCTV camera footage yeah. and stuff. And it was put way away and it was like, it was just... It was for voyeurism. Did you ever look at those? No, but I've never seen them. But you can see that online, I and if you're on horrible. Reddit, if you're yeah. on, you can just scroll through, and you you find these things. And if you're not careful, like you do that risky click thing, yeah. So that is a part of life, and if going and seeking it is one thing, and people like really being into this stuff, there's some really bad stuff out there, and people mm-hmm. catalog it, and mm-hmm. um, and then they do little justice things. I, I won't bring up some really terrible things that. I didn't see, but the people are like, oh, don't watch this, you know, and you mm. see that. And you're like, well, I'll, I'll see about seeing it. And you're like, mm. okay, yeah, there's no mm. way I want to see that. Um, but if it's just popping up in your feet mm-hmm. like that, then mm. it's turning everybody into It's just prompting you to popcornize mm-hmm. violence, popcorn, like, oh, eat it, eat it, eat mm-hmm. it, eat it. Mm-hmm. Like, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And there's different responses. One response is trauma. And there is, wasn't there, I'm sorry, but wasn't there, like, you had a friends where you'd have movie nights, and there was this oh, phrase. Yeah. What was the phrase? Just, uh, no, it's just that they, they had, like, this not a Leslie movie. It was, not a Leslie movie. Yeah, yeah. because I don't, I don't want to yeah. be. I made a decision a long time ago um, as a, I guess, late teens, early 20s. I don't want to entertain myself with horrible fiction. I mean... Uh, you know, people doing horrible things to each other. I don't want to entertain myself with thoughts of that. And I, I was a big Stephen King reader when I was a teenager, and I really enjoyed some of that stuff. At so, the time, what's the difference between watching it and reading about it? I don't do either. Oh, you don't do either. No, okay. I made a decision after yeah. that. I think that there's, there's, there's a. I we can go into that dark fascination. I think that, like you said, death is a part of life, and there's a morbid curiosity. Morbid, you know, we're curious about death. We're curious about the body being injured and damaged and and about the ways that people can be hurt. And there's reasons to be curious about that. It is a part of our, our life and it's something that we hope won't happen to us in certain ways and we hope won't happen to our loved ones. And so it's a tendency to kind of shove that into the shadow and just kind of la la la. But then we can also, I think, uh, become obsessed with it as well and obsessed with seeking it out. And that's that, yeah. that faces of death thing that you're talking about is a is a really great example of of making marketing entertainment for people who are curious about yeah. these things. And I, I just, you know, I, I, there was something unclean feeling about it to me and very dark about it hmm. to me when I was, when I was, I, I never liked horror movies yeah. for, for one thing. I was not like my friends, like the, the Freddie movies and the Jason movies. And, and I just, I didn't like that sort of thing. It was scary to me and it gave me, trouble sleeping but i um i just want to preserve your sensitivity yes i guess that's one way to put it i also just want to focus on other things i think that there's a different area to focus and that's not a thing i want to do for entertainment there i think it also coincided with becoming a mother because it became too real for me thinking now i have somebody that i love more than life itself and i the thought of something bad happening to this person Mm, mm -hmm. is it's too scary for me to think about. And so I, I no longer have the ability to find gratuitous, entertaining enjoyment. I'm good. Thank you. Um, by watching people be hurt 
in any way. But oh, you have cream. Yeah, I do. Oh. Okay. Okay. Do you want some now? You want to swap out? Sure. Okay, I'll Thank swap you. Out. I'll, I'll take the, the hot one. So, one. Thank you. Let's see what time it is. Uh, yeah, we're fine. Um, that made me think about what you talk about with your uh, about like just letting the boys be dangerous. Like just letting, but so there's, there's also like, you have to willfully allow kids to be in danger. You have to willfully like, will a, well, a, a parent know. who's oversensitive to this yeah. or, or is inclined to this thinking will probably shelter their kids and not give them opportunities to go out and be independent, go out and take risks. Yeah. Right. So there is also the overcorrection the other way of not being being so hyper vigilant to that stuff that you don't just kind of allow nature to take its course when you're rearing a kid or mm-hmm. actually trying to get them to to learn to fly you know in that that mm-hmm. that respect so mm-hmm. i'm I'm going from twitter world entertainment world into the actual world and mm-hmm. and that's going back to what you're talking about in the eighties when there was those movies about these kids being abducted and yeah. everybody got really obsessed with their kids being abducted that they stopped letting kids go out and right, there became right. like this whole safetyism culture and now we have a bunch of kids I was talking about this to you the other day where I was thinking about the a modern version of Scared Straight. So Scared Straight oh, was yeah. this television show where you put these these asshole teenagers into a prison uh-huh. and get them to experience like the outcome of like if you're gonna act this way then you're gonna go that way. Uh-huh. And it was scared straight. And then I was thinking, well it would probably be like sheltered queer nowadays <laughs> where you just have like these little twitchy like pronouns and bio video game <laughs> incel kids like going out to a park and like looking at like oh they're they're looking people are looking at me, you know, and they're all like queered out, you know, and then they kind of <laughs> You know, because they we've sheltered the kids so much yeah. now we have all these other problems about yeah. the, the queer shit and the sexuality crap and all these like different pronouns and people like leaning into a trans identity because it allows them to express and experience suffering in a valid way. But the suffering is completely in their head. They have no access to actual suffering because that would be dangerous and it's a liability. Even the schools now are liable for everything, so they have to shelter and coddle all the kids because there's this fear of responsibility and accountability and all the wrong things that are irreversible that oddly enough we're doing irreversible damage to these kids Mm -hmm. to protect in this misguided attempt to protect them from reality the reality of their sexuality the reality of their sex bodies the reality of maturity if we can put them on puberty blockers they'll never have to go through sexual development Mm -hmm. and they'll never have a broken heart because they'll never be connected to anybody. Mm-hmm. They'll never actually have a fulfilling sexual life. So that'll save them from ever experiencing the pain of, of that first breakup. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of that stuff in that munchy mom stuff, that mm-hmm. Munchausen mom is actually just overprotection. Well, I think that too. you're making some good points and you're also being funny and broad strokes, you know, about some things. So there's more depth to it than mm-hmm. that. But point point to a crack and let's explore. Well, I mean, let's get into I, that deep. When end, you talk Leslie. about it, when you talk about being all in their heads, I, I think that we need a certain amount of, of, we need to push against something in order to expand away from what we, where we come from, just developmentally, you know, you're, you're, you start out, mother and child are very much part of the same thing. This dyad. is like the, the dyad, yeah. And as we, as the child gets older and older, we need to move away until we're now parallel. We're just two, two individuals. And, hmm. and I think that there needs to be something to push against. And when we don't provide kids with enough, with enough 
ability to push off of something solid. When everything a kid tries to push against gives way and allows for them to expand into it rather than to push back against it, I think that that is very, um, I think it's very inherently destabilizing okay. for young people. So um, it, it also, it's, it's kind of like the sort of the rich parents dilemma, which I've never been a rich parent and I wasn't parented by rich parents, but of knowing that you are who you are say, because you had to face certain challenges and now you are, you're in this particular place where you've established this life for yourself and you can give your child all of these resources that you didn't have as a kid, mm -hmm. but you know that you are who you are because of the challenges that you faced. And so what, what's going to happen with your child? And so can you artificially construct that for your kid? Well, not really, because now your kid is going to resent the heck out of you because you've artificially, you've withheld something that you were able to give them and you made their life harder than it had to be. And so it's a real, it's a real dilemma from that standpoint. I'm, I'm kind of oversimplifying there, but yeah. I think that, I guess, I guess an example would be first children. This is an easier one because it has nothing to do with finances. It's just, it's attention resources. So your first child um, and you and I are both first children. Yes. There's a difference in temperament that goes with uh, birth order. You know, there tends to be a difference in temperament. First child, second child, third child. What I noticed was with uh, my older son, who is the first child after a long gap, after 13 years, he is a, he's a really wonderful kid. He was really high needs as a toddler. And... Looking back, he had two older sisters who were late teens, myself, his father. He had all this attention from everybody. If he, as soon as he cried, somebody was there to help him out. And, and we were doing, we, it wasn't like we were just pacifying him, but we were providing him with stimulation or entertainment or meeting his needs, whatever those needs were. And then his brother, my younger son, there was a higher, there was a kid who was used to having all of his needs instantly met. So there was this high needs two-year-old in front of him. And so sometimes the baby would cry and you couldn't get to him in time. So he would just have to, he would, he would have settled himself back down before you had a chance to come over. So the, the cry starts and you're in the middle of like, I don't know, cleaning up a mess, washing hands or putting out a tantrum or whatever. And so you, you hear the baby and you want to run over the baby, but you can't. And so Two minutes go by, three minutes go by, and then you get to the baby, and now the baby has settled himself back down. And there, the, the subsequent temperament development was so different. Mm -hmm. He was so much more easygoing. It's like he figured out, you know, it's not going to end. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's interesting to watch how that happens. And you can't fake that, really. I mean, you, you can't, it, it's not in your as a mother, it's not really in mm. you to just allow your baby to go ahead and cry. Okay. You'd be you'd be like holding yeah. yourself back and you'd be in tears. Your baby's crying. Yeah. You need to go to your baby. And so it's not something that you can really artificially engineer yeah. for your for your firstborn. Or for, I mean, and I guess that's kind of a unique situation because a lot of times you're firstborn, you're just so wiped out. So I had a unique situation in that I had many hands around. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So kind of going back to that human impulse to fix a problem when it's presented to you, you see a baby crying mm -hmm. and you want to run to it. When you're 
looking at media that's presenting you with a distressed individual and you want to run over mm -hmm. to it and you can't. So mm -hmm. you have to use all these. You, you signal your feelings. So you signal. You signal yeah. your feelings. You write these screeds and then people like. And then you yell at other people who aren't signaling the right thing. Yeah. And that's how you, because you have no power. And yeah. and that's how you channel your, your desire to have some control. Yeah. And be some kind of help in that situation. So it's not. So it's not just entertainment. You see this with crisis after crisis mm -hmm. after crisis. There's a lot of people who are plugged into, let's say, the app formerly called Twitter, that don't know or are not self-aware enough to see that they are feeding on something that's not real. That is actually entertainment. They respond to it because it is real. It is real. Somewhere this thing happens. Somewhere. Absolutely. Somewhere this thing is happening. Somewhere society is devolving into just walk into a store and grab whatever you want. And nobody's yep. going to stop you or whatever. But you bleeding about that on the internet, you, you plugging into it on the internet and then going out there and trying to do something about it. If you're a, if you're like in that Karen set, if you're like forty year old, fifty year old, you're gonna like do this kind of reputation management game. You're gonna like uh, put forward your opinion, and the boys are doing something very similar, but a little bit different about cries for war, cries for justice. But you're like, what? Are you gonna actually go and do that, or would you like your sons to go out and do that, or do you just want to rally those troops way over there to do that and say we should do this thing, you know, in this detached mm -hmm. presentness mm -hmm. way? Well, and I don't want to mock that either. I mean, when you're talking about not wanting to use mockery, not to wanting to fall into that that sense of always, that, that condescending, um, I know better than you kind of tone, I see that happening and I see it as a human impulse that we all have, a, we all have the potential to fall into. To We're judge all, each other, to, to regulate to, each other. Well, other's... to judge each other, to regulate each other, but also to do that signaling, to do that, I here's this horrible thing. It's horrible, and it makes me feel... I have an outpouring of empathy. I have an outpouring of, of um, indignation and all kinds of... I, I want to run in and, and help with this thing, and I can't. I'm, I'm stuck not being able to. Well, what can I do? And you just... It's almost a... It's, it's not almost. It is sort of a, a subconscious channeling of that into these other things, into like the, the signaling and the, mm -hmm. and the verbalizing of it and the, yeah. and then the management of other people around this and yeah. the, the discussions that sort of just feeds this loop of, you know, busybody discussions, but that's yes. because we want so badly to help and we can't. And then there is one step younger than the people who are let, and then there's the college kids. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what the college kids, how the college kids response to, uh, responded to a international conflict, which will not be named in this episode, they went out, they kind of all gathered on one side. They're, mm. they're taught, like, there's the oppressor and the oppressed, and mm. these are the oppressed. Mm -hmm. So it's justified that they lash out. It's justified for the oppressed to act any way that they need to because they are the oppressed. They are the ones that are not in power. So they're atrocities aren't actually atrocities they're justified mm -hmm. and we've been watching that since evergreen mm -hmm. we've been watching this rhetoric kind of ramp up and go to the next level like well you know they're yelling at evergreen they're yelling at you but you're not hearing them they're using bad words but you want to control and police their tone hands down george you don't tell us what to do george right and these this atrocious behavior is justified because these kids are the oppressed ones right mm -hmm. 
And then it's starting to ramp up and it's going a little farther. When I was going through the evergreen footage and I'm watching these struggle sessions, I'm saying, why are they not getting violent? Why are they, they could at any moment actually get violent, but for some reason they're not getting violent. They know that there's still this line there, Mm -hmm. but they're playing with this line. But if you look at communist China, and I had an episode a few weeks ago with this wonderful woman whose name is slipping my mind right now, who grew up in communist China and was exposed to the school system that was under Mao that where struggle sessions happened where we struggle sessioned mm-hmm. all of our teachers and then we started to struggle session ourselves and there were moments where violence started to happen and that was papered over because it was okay the violence was okay in one direction mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. one way these kids that are plugged into the internet and then also in these woke social justice schools that are getting this rhetoric where you you have to change the world your value as an individual is about changing the world. How do you change the world? You get out there, you protest. You get out there, you fight for the world. And they're watching all this stuff, and they're being fed all this stuff. So they're going to go out, and they're going to keep on being used. They're being very much manipulated, in my in my humble estimation. Mm-hmm. As- they're being manipulated as the useful idiots, as the cannon fodder, without actually being sent over to these these countries way far in in the country. They start mm-hmm. to destabilize the countries. They start to take all of this this thousands and thousands year old strife, and they start to bring it home, mm. and they start to enact it out home. And what do you do there? Because they need to do something. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not going to be content. With just responding on the internet. So you feel like this this is the recipe to lead towards violence. You saw that with the summer of Floyd. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. They're like, there's a bunch of injustice in the world. So let's go, like all these idiot white kids went to the black neighborhoods and burn them all down, you know, for justice or whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And all those black business owners were shit out of luck. SOL. Um, so who, who actually pays the price for a generation that's raised on violence porn mm-hmm. and then also mm-hmm. the social justice, mm-hmm. you have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then what are they going to do with their energy? Are we actually going to ship them out? Well, so going back a step to the violent imagery and is it, is it necessary? Some people will argue that it's necessary in order for people to grasp the gravity of something that's yeah. happening, that they must be able to see it for themselves in order to grasp it. And what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, uh, that is, uh, well, that's kind of insulting. Do, are you saying, is one saying that I don't have sufficient imagination to interpret a sentence? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to see it with my own eyes? Does it change for you if you see it? If you read it? There was this really terrible thing. I'm going to try to skirt around it. But there was an accusation that something really horrible happened. Okay. And then people are like, okay, that's a really horrible thing. Where's the evidence? And then people are like, demanding evidence means that you're against or you're for the people who did this terrible thing mm-hmm. and other people are like no i'm not for or against it i want evidence so evidence was shown of this thing and then other people are like wait that's just they don't AI. believe the evidence anyway that's an ai image so it still comes down to do you trust the source when hamas re- when a when an insurgent group releases a very well-produced video of them making rockets Wait, that's a little too well produced. When the same insurgents uh, release a shaky cam footage mm-hmm. of something going on with with an, a wounded 
child. I'm like, wait, why is the camera following along? Like, I am so desensitized. I'm not just desensitized. Mm. I'm already saying this is produced. This is already produced mm. for my benefit. It's already produced. Even if it's true, whoever's producing that content and is documenting the atrocities already thinking in their head, how do I produce this correctly? So already so there's a grubby... like something rhetorical. It still feels like It's already something. lifted up into the realm of narrative. It's mm -hmm. already removed from the actual. Okay. That is the postmodern predicament beyond all this, like postmodernism as a sort of, uh, you know, political way of eroding reality. It's just like we... The medium, right, is the message kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like, there's already something between me and that thing that happened. And even when I look at tra tragedies in my own life, mm -hmm. like, I, I look through and I have something traumatic happen. I build a story around that thing, and then I go through this process of emotions. I got mugged in Chicago, mm -hmm. like, in 1998. And that sketched me out for a long time. Whenever I was alone at night mm -hmm. walking around, I was really fearful. I moved to Portland, Oregon... And I would still walk around and I would be really scared. Like something's going to happen to me. Something's going to happen to me. Something's going to happen to me. And eventually I just relaxed out of that. And eventually I realized one day, I'm like, oh, I don't have that fear. That fear was really, really present. That fear was attached to this real event. Mm -hmm. it, it was an echo of the real event, but it wasn't the actual real event. There's nothing I could do about that mm -hmm. real event after it happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The media is still there. So we have this fear. We have this Thing that's attaching us to this moment in time that's mm -hmm. already gone that we don't have anything to do about mm -hmm. it. So there's that level as an individual citizen knowing what to take important, uh, what to take important, what to distrust, having healthy skepticism, but also a healthy amount of compassion. And then there's the level of what we do about it as a country or is this, you know, and having that discussion mm -hmm. about should we make all these decisions as a country to do this or not? And insofar as we are in a democracy, which is arguable to what degree do i have any input on what we do and should i be on on the should i be a voice saying slow down slow down mm -hmm. should i be a voice saying we need to fix this situation we need to be in there we need to mm -hmm. resolve this situation should mm -hmm. i be one of the voices saying we need to be for this group or we need to be for that group mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. another thing but all of that is built on a response to these images to this evidence that i have and then either a careful consideration of the evidence or a very urgent um, response that this is a problem we have to do now. We don't have time to think about this. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis has happened and we've seen society be completely manipulated. So the images aren't scale. important to your understanding? I think the Im Like, what do they actually mean? What do these actually mean? I'm more concerned about what these images mean to other people than what they mean to me. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, they mean something to me. This is terrible... But I understand that there's this historical backdrop to this, and I could read about this and understand that this pain is going on, and it's a biblical thing. Yeah. What about you? How do you go from that image to the decision mechanisms, and what are kind of one or two pitfalls? I guess that depends on how much decision-making power you actually have, yeah. and that's the question. I mean, at what point is it just voyeuristic and gratuitous? At or, what point are you somebody that actually has the power to do something about it? Yeah. But that's true. Yeah. So, what kind of person do you want to be on the internet? Um, I I don't know. I guess I uh, I I'm still working through trying to decide if I think the internet is potentially something that's good. I mean, it obviously adds a lot of things that are, 
positive, but on balance, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Yeah. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think there's any questions. <laughs> Did we have one more thing that we wanted to talk about? You mean something I, that's... I my, my phone. More than... More than words. Words? Yeah, there's this <laughs> song called More Than Words by this band called Extreme. I don't even think it was a band. It was... Was a, it? It was, was it a couple a, of brothers. Did they ever have anything more than that? Just one song? More than words. Okay, well, you have to sing it now. All I ever heard to do my feelings. Okay, so the, <laughs> I think... Okay, I think... The, I, so we listened to this on a joke. I was thinking about... Well, you... you I was getting ready in the morning, and then I just hear this song blasting from outside the door. You because you, you made fun of it, but I knew it would still twing your heartstrings. Because they are, they're very, well, it's a very sweet song. Yeah, they well, have this, like, acoustic that, thing, yeah, and they're yeah, both singing, yeah. and there's duets, except what for year what? was that? Uh, must have been, like, 1992. Really? Okay, 91 yeah, or yeah, 90. Okay. And... I, it was all over the radio for. Oh, I just played and played, yeah, and played yeah. and played and played and played, and so I was, you know, you listen to it and it's like a Lisa Loeb song. You remember that Lisa Loeb song? Mm -hmm. You say, "I only hear what I want mm -hmm. to. I don't listen hard. I don't pay attention to the distance that you're running from anyone everywhere. You don't understand if I really oh, you care." Memorized. Yeah, I'm only hearing negative. No, no, no. Yeah, so I turn the radio on. I turn the radio up, and this woman is playing my song. So it was one of the songs where it keeps on going and going and going and going. Yeah. Like this narrative it doesn't like repeat these things. I mean, it does repeat this thing. But you're like, well, what are they actually saying more than words? And I think that this song is about this woman who talks too much. And this guy just wants her to shut up. You think so? I think it's about this guy asking this woman really politely to shut the F up. Is that why, That's is that why this song is important for you to share with me? <laughs> Is that, is that what you're trying to no, say? No, You're finally spelling it out for me now. <laughs> okay, so so that's my that's my premise. So I'm just going to read some of the, the lyrics. Okay. And if there's any questions, you can look at the questions, but you have to listen to this. Okay. So, saying I love you, quote unquote, saying I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. Okay. It's not that I want you not to say, but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel. Mm. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. What's more than words? Like, shut the fuck up, bitch. It's I'm a, sorry. I, no, I think that it sounds like he's, he is like a code. Like, more than words is, is a phrase that is code for... For what? So, more like than an words. Act? 
Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, more That's... than words. Oh, so this guy's asking for a BJ. It's yeah. a steak and BJ day. Okay. <laughs> and what would be happening if he's getting a BJ? There's no words there, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it sounds like. Okay, me. so let's go forward. And I'm really sorry. We're going from something talking about violence to talking about like gratuitous uh, teenage silly. drama. Okay. Yeah. Okay. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. Yeah. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me because I'd already know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So doesn't it make a lot more sense if you insert, like, you think of it as a code? Okay, sentence, more than words. Phrase? Okay. Yeah. Did you just think of this just now? Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the next verse. Um, what would you do if my heart was torn in two? Mm. So this guy's like, he's really neat and like, oh, baby, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, okay, dead. more than words to show you feel that your love for me is real. Okay. What would you say if I took those words away? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, there's this whole thing with him going, okay. Then you couldn't make things new just by saying I love you. Yeah, Yeah, you you got it. No. Put out. Okay. Okay, and then there's la-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-da-da. Okay, so he's like, he's getting his way here. More than words, la-di-da-di-da. Okay. <laughs> does he really say yeah. that? la di da la di da da More than words, la-di-da-da-da. Okay. Now that I've tried to talk to you and make you understand, all you have to do is close your eyes and just reach out your hands and touch oh, me. so maybe it's... A, okay, maybe yeah, it's okay. a HJ then. Okay. <laughs> Hold me close, don't ever let me go. More than words is all I ever needed you to show. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me. Because I'd already know. <laughs> what would you do if my heart was torn in two? More than words to show you feel that your love for me is real. What would you say if I took those words away? Then you couldn't make things new just by saying... I love you. Okay, yeah. so interesting. So that was a good one. I like this, Leslie. So that's the the song you played for me the other morning. <laughs> okay, well we don't have to like spell things out for the audience <laughs> or anything no. like that. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh yeah, J Oh well, maybe I shouldn't put this. Uh, this is now officially a. Uh, oh wait, it's gone. Mm. <sighs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that great. was a mature stream. Thank you guys very much for um, for showing up for chat. My my channel's in a bit of a pinch right now because we're traveling. We just got back from New York. We're going to be going to uh, Hawaii next week for actually for business, but we're going to have some pleasure out there too. Um, do some exploring of nature. Um, so I need to film as much as possible this week to have the channel up busy. and running. I'm going to be, be really, busy. I'm really busy this Look, fall. It says there's a super chat. I don't want to miss there, those. No, yeah. no. Yeah, absolutely. They're absolutely that. important. Okay. okay, here we go. Did, uh, risky click. Here we go. For Benjamin, I remember you saying in another live stream that something like atheism is not a serious position. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more on that. Do you plan to cover that in a video sometime? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a really interesting question. I... I like to mess around. I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I, there is a part of me that likes to mess around with feminists on Twitter. I, I like to... Just a little bit. I, sometimes I say things and I kind of know in the back of my head that potentially feminists are going to get mad at me about this. But I don't do it just to make them mad. But I do experience a certain level of more than words when <laughs> they get really <laughs> mad at me. I also, there's a little tiny bit of me that's also a little trolly towards atheists Mm. um, or atheism because 
I've seen that people who are who've argued themselves into an atheist position or have argued themselves out of a religious or theist position are really proud of their rationality, really proud of their intellect. And I think that, or in my experience, um, the spiritual reality is not a rational process. Spirituality is uh, works on the level of awareness and consciousness, which precedes rationality. And even Jonathan Haidt in his the Ele- the man and the elephant or the righteous mind the, the yeah the and writer and the elephant the writer yeah. and the elephant um, he talks a lot about our emotions our experience are actually driving things and our intellect or rationality are catching up to things and so when making very stark claims about infinity divinity and reality using the intellect or basing everything on the intellect in which is what some atheists do, I think is another statement of faith. And it's actually a, it's actually a descendant of Christianity in so far as Christianity in the West was proceeded through rational means to rationally lay out what God is rationally. I don't think God can come be gotten to or away from, I can, I think you can argue yourself out of position of religious devotion through rationality. I don't think you can necessarily argue yourself into spiritual reality through rationality. Now, also, I want to respect people who are atheists because they grew up in a Christian context and they started asking questions and they were told to shut up. I don't think that that's proper. I think that it's really, really difficult to convey spiritual reality to children and i think that a lot of people who are so-called religious don't actually have a connection to spiritual reality and they use religiosity as a way of regulating themselves and regulating others and that can have good effects and bad effects but it's not actually their their religiosity is not an expression of spiritual reality either I don't think that faith necessarily or belief necessarily is something that gets you touching the divine. Hmm. Now, I think that you can't have a relationship, a lifelong relationship without with the divine, without some sort of credo code, ceremony, ritualism, and you can't share you can't. that experience. I don't know. Well, I think it would be really difficult to live in a religious community without a common religious mm. language. Mm. I think it would be kind of difficult to have a spiritual life without some sort of language game. Mm. And you have to have a, a community around that. No, just saying, like, for one reason or another, I came into your life and we started praying at, at dinner. That mm-hmm. just became something you said at one point that you want to incorporate mm-hmm. spirituality and, you know, that into our life. And that's something I grew up with and I didn't have. And so when mm-hmm. I remember at the other night we were having dinner and we asked one of the boys to pray mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I don't know how to do that. And I say, well... Be grateful for what's happened and be hopeful for what's going to happen. So we are addressing ourselves to that which I believe is the creator. Um, And I believe that there's one source and one creator that precedes all of our belief, that precedes our rationality. And that giving thanks to that and asking for guidance from that source Mm -hmm. is a form of religious and spiritual language. It's kind Mm -hmm. of basically a direction. And I don't think that you can necessarily get really deep in spiritual life without using your mind to re- to set aside, I pray before my meals, or I'm going to pray in mm-hmm. the morning, or something so like that. So having that ritual. That having like, that intention mm-hmm. okay. to, to connect and to 
be guided, to be thankful, to be grateful. And so I'm sure that there are atheists who have all of that without a belief in God. Mm -hmm. And so I can respect and I would like to engage with atheists who have all of that, that rich human life that addresses itself to what's beyond it, what came and what goes forward. And it's not necessarily if you believe in the afterlife and it's not necessarily you have to believe in God. You can do all those things without belief in God or the afterlife or the pre-life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the type of atheist who has it all solved and who thinks all of this stuff is wackadoo and is all like, they, they just rail against the church and they mm-hmm. rail against mm-hmm. faith and they rail against believers as, as somehow backwards and stuff. They themselves eventually succumb to believing in something and then absolutely just embarrassing themselves with the same religious impulse that doesn't have that doesn't have the strictures of a deep tradition that's been wrestling with the problems of the religious impulse and just saying okay we all tend to have some sort of religious impulse that's how we are and the atheist who thinks that that's they're posthuman mm-hmm. and they, they can get away with that they ha- they're persisting with a really big blind spot mm-hmm. in my humble opinion mm-hmm. and so the, the humble atheist is one thing, but the proud atheist is just like the proud religious person. And I, I try not to be against the religious person, but whenever somebody is using their religiosity to control me or to control everybody or to kind of claim that they have special knowledge, mm. I'm kind of like, whatever, bro, you don't really know. Just because you think you know doesn't mean you know. Mm. But insofar as you, your belief is facilitating a humble communion of self-development and becoming aware and maintaining consciousness of the deep reality of being, it doesn't matter if you're atheist or theist, mm. I can see that in your face, that you're a good person. That's an hour, but you need to say something mm. to close us out. Mm, I just think that's very interesting. Um, I'm not going to add anything okay. on the on the uh, religious discussion necessarily. Okay. I think that there's a lot to say there, but we'll save it for a later date. Yeah. Another deep end. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for all the comments. I I think we're going to go back through. We'd love to go back through and read them all. Yeah, we'll afterwards. go back. We I, get a lot. I kind of wish we could do a little more engagement with them at the time, but it's kind of hard to do that without having a lot of dead air while we're reading. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, maybe we can do more than an hour and do the last half hour. It was like just like really relaxed. Like a Q&A just kind of Q&A. thing, just discussion. Yeah. That'd be fun. At some point, we have spoken about uh, Colin kind yeah, of show. So maybe after really the fun. last half hour, do a call in or have a, like another guest come in and yeah. we can talk to them. So we are, fun. we are open to that, but thank you very much for showing up. Uh, peace to you. Love you all. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's an inside joke. Bye. Bye.